The epistle for this 17th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Brethren, I, the prisoner in the Lord, exhort you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all humility and meekness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, careful to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, one body and one spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and throughout all and in us all, who is blessed forever. Amen. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew. At that time, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and one of them, a doctor of the law, putting him to the test, asked him, Master, which is the great, great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart and with thy whole soul and with thy whole mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. And the second is like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus questioned them, saying, What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, David's. He said to them, How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, till I make thy enemies thy footstool. If David therefore calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one can answer him a word. Neither did anyone dare from that day forth to ask him any more questions. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Fathers, dear faithful When we are born into this world, we enter into a family. Um, We are immediately connected by blood to our parents, to our brothers and sisters, and also to many other people, all of those people who went before us back down to Adam and Eve. But then, God willing, when our parents take us to the church to, to be baptized, where we have, like, as it were, a second birth, we also enter into a family, a second family. And that family is the mystical body of Christ that St. Paul speaks about in today's epistle, where he says, one body in one spirit. It turns out that, that God has a great love for forming families. All reality, all of creation comes from God. And, and what God likes to do, in, instead of having creation, creatures, just be autonomous units, is he loves to connect them together and connect them all to himself. And so this is what he does in the natural order by making families, natural families possible. This is what he does on the supernatural order by making there be a mystical body of Christ. Whereas all who are baptized and incorporated in Christ are by that fact connected to many, many people many, many people beyond the boundaries of their natural family. You know the, the three parts of the mystical body, the, the church uh, militant, the church suffering, and the church triumphant. The church militant, all of us here who are on this earth, who are, who are baptized, who are struggling to get to heaven. The church suffering, those in purgatory who have died in the state of grace. They're going to go to heaven, but they have to um, go through a period of purification first. And the church triumphant, those who have made it to heaven and are now reigning gloriously with our Lord. 
But even beyond all these human beings, many, many human beings, many more than are connected to you and your family, um, there, are, there are also other creatures who are part of this mystical body. They're not of the same species as us, but they are connected to us. And I'm referring to the angels, the pure spirits. The angels, too, are part of this, of this family, of the, of the mystical body of Christ. They have the same goal, the glory of God. That's what you're made for. That's what I'm made for. That's what the angels are made for. We're all made for the glory of God. They have the same leader, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the mystical body. And because we are connected in that way, God gives to the angels various tasks where we, as it were, we work on the same team and the angels assist us who are part of the church militant in order to achieve our goal. So I just, I just want to go over today um, because of the fact that today is the feast of our guardian angels and then last Thursday was the feast of St. Michael. I would like to go over various ways in which the Mass teaches us about the work of the angels, the roles that are indicated uh, in the Mass that, that God has given to the angels. Because the Church herself, she, just, she doesn't just teach us through our liturgy, through this beautiful liturgy that, that we have, but she also lives reality. There is a supernatural reality, the, the, the existence of purely spiritual creatures. The world may be oblivious to it. There may be many people without faith who are oblivious to it, but the fact is that they exist. Angels are real, and they have a role to play in our lives. They are involved in our lives. The church believes that, and the church lives that. So we see this in the liturgy, first of all, in the confidier at the beginning of Mass, where we, we confess our sins to God the Father Almighty, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, to St. John the Baptist, the Apostles Peter and Paul, but also to St. Michael the Archangel. We confess our sins to St. Michael the Archangel. And this teaches us that the angels, even though we do not see them, they see us, and they know what we are doing. You're your guardian angel knows when you are doing well. Your guardian angel knows when you are doing badly. And it's important for us who hopefully have, have the faith and want to live by the faith that, that we are conscious of the fact that our guardian angel is beside us in all that we do. Our, our guardian angel sees our good actions, sees our bad actions. St. Bernard, that, that great... Um, father and doctor of the church, once gave a sermon on the guardian angels. And he made reference to the Psalms because you, you will find references to the angels all throughout scriptures. The angels are everywhere in, in the Holy Scripture. But one of the most beautiful Psalms, Psalm 90, which we pray on Sundays during Compline, it says that, that God commanded the angel, angels to have care over us that the angels will, will guard us in all of our ways. So he says in this sermon, he says, Be alert in your every action as one should be who is accompanied by angels in all your ways. For that mission has been given to them. 
in whatever lodging, in whatever nook or corner you may find yourself, cherish a reverence for your guardian angel. In his presence, do not dare to do anything you would not do in my presence. We must be conscious of the fact that the angels see us. Our guardian angel sees us. He wants us to do good. He, he wants us to avoid evil. So at Mass, we confess our sins to St. Michael at the, the, the first half of the Confidior. Then the second half of the Confidior, we ask St. Michael to intercede for us with God, to pray to God for us. And this is another beautiful role of the angels. The, the angels are our intercessors before the throne of God. We, scripture so often depicts the, the angels as surrounding the throne of God. This is one of the reasons why we believe that the angels are present at Mass. Um, there is the, the same thing that is happening in heaven happens here on earth when we have the Mass being celebrated. And so St. Michael especially is considered as being present at the Mass. The book of the Apocalypse talks about an angel standing by the altar of God having a golden thurible in his hand. There was given to him, this angel, much incense, says the book of Apocalypse, and the smoke of the perfumes ascended before God. Because the church has always considered that that angel described by St. John is St. Michael, when, when, when Father McBride will, will go during the offertory to, to do the, the prayer of blessing for the incense, he's going to refer to St. Michael as this angel. And he's going to say the, the following prayer. So there's three times we have an incensation at Mass. Um, and for two of the times, there's a different prayer for the blessing of the incense. But during the offertory, the most important time for the incensation of the altar, and also when you, uh, the faithful, are incensed, the priest says this prayer. Through the intercession of blessed Michael the archangel, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense, and of all his elect, may the Lord vouchsafe to bless this incense and to receive it in the odor of sweetness. And then after the consecration, there is a prayer said by the priest so called the Supliches Terugamus, and the, prayer, the, the priest is, is bent down on the altar, and he's begging the holy angel, St. Michael, to take the offerings, to take our Lord present on the altar and present those offerings before the throne of God. So on the one hand, you have this, this symbolism of the smoke going up to God, and, and uh, St. Michael takes that that our prayers, the, 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 the smoke symbolizes our prayers. He takes those prayers up to God. But then after the consecration, we even ask St. Michael to take our Lord himself up to God and present this offering to God. Here's what the priest says in the Superchase de Wagamas. Humbly we beseech thee, almighty God, to command that these our offerings be carried by the hands of thy holy angel, doesn't mention St. Michael by name, but we believe it's St. Michael, thy holy angel, to thine altar on high, in the sight of thy divine majesty, so that those of us who shall receive the most sacred body and blood of thy Son, by partaking thereof from this altar, may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. You know, there's that beautiful story that's contained in the book of Tobias, 
in the Old Testament. Hopefully we've, we've all read that book um, about Tobias and the archangel Raphael. And Tobias goes for, through various adventures with the archangel Raphael, and the archangel Raphael guides him through a, a lot of difficulties. And, and when it's all over and the, the younger Tobias is, is in, a, in, in very good shape, the, the archangel has helped him out so much, the, the archangel Raphael finally reveals himself. He says, I am the archangel Raphael. I am one of those who stand before the throne of God. And he explains to Tobias that he was taking the prayers of Tobias and he was presenting them to God. When, when Tobias was praying, it seems, uh, the Tobias the elder was praying, it seemed like everything, his whole life was coming crashing down on him. Everything was a wreck. What he didn't see was that the archangel Raphael was taking his alms and taking his prayers and presenting them to God. When you did pray with tears and did bury the dead and did leave your dinner, and hide the dead by day in thy house, and bury them by night. I offer thy prayer to the Lord. So this is one of the roles of the angels that's indicated to us in the Mass. They take your prayers, they take my prayers, and they present them before the throne of God. I can't fly up to heaven, you can't fly up to heaven, but the angels can't. The angels are there in heaven. And it should be comforting to us to, to know that our, our prayers reach heaven uh, the, the, through the swiftness of, of these messengers. You know, Angelus, and Angelus is, a, is a messenger. The, the, we have um, these friends on our team uh, in this effort that we have to get to heaven, the angels who present all of our good works and our prayers to God. There's another role that, that the angels play, that, that the Mass makes mention of, that is even more important than all of these things. And th this is the fact that the angels are the premier worshipers of God. The, the angels are experts in adoration. Scripture is constantly representing the angels as being before the throne of God, not being idle, not doing nothing, but giving a sublime, very profound homage to God. There are two visions uh, by the prophets, the prophets Isaiah and the prophets Ezekiel, of, of this worship being given to God. It's all over the apocalypse as well. So because we are aware of this reality, because the church is aware of this reality, that, that the angels are before the throne of God, they are giving this great homage to God, when we come to the Mass, when we can come to this, this liturgy which replicates what's going on in heaven, um, there's a certain prayer of the Mass where we try to unite ourselves with the angels and we, we try to sing with the angels, with the same spirit and even the same words as the angels say. So in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this vision of the seraphim and the seraphim are the highest choir of angels. You know, there's, there's nine choirs or ranks of angels. There's different uh, levels of angels. And the, and the highest level of angels is the seraphim. But we only hear about them one time in the whole Bible, and, and that's in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has this vision of the seraphim who have six wings, 
And they're, they're before the throne of God, and they're speaking out the praise of God. They're worshiping God. What are they saying? They are saying, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth is full of thy glory. So the church says, let's take those words of the seraphim and let's ask the angels to join in with us and say those words right before we enter the most solemn part of the Mass, the canon. Right before the Mass descends into silence, we want to have this sacred silence during the most important part of the Mass. And before we we enter into that period, we're going to repeat these words of the seraphim, the highest angels, these words of adoration and praise of God. We also put the words of the angels on our lips at at the Gloria. The Gloria is is the angelic hymn. Um, The first words of the Gloria are taken from the song that the angels were singing on Christmas night when they appeared to the shepherds. Suddenly, says Scripture, (coughs) there was with the angel, a single angel, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly army praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of goodwill. So the angels, they intercede for us with God. They see what what we're doing, and they also adore God with us. They accompany us in the adoration of God. We are gathered as a family on Sundays to give homage to God, and part of the family is the angels. Then finally, perhaps the most characteristic role that we think of when, when we think of the angels, what do the angels do in our life? Perhaps the first thing that, that we think about is that, that the angels help guide us to heaven. That, that the angels, the guardian angel, is given to us in order to help us do what is good and avoid what is evil. You, you know how, um, the, the devil is, is always, the, the bad spirit is always trying to push us away from God towards sin, towards our own ruin, where our guardian angel, meanwhile, is, is trying to help us to do what is right. This is why after the low mass, when we say the prayers at the end of the low mass, we ask St. Michael to defend us in battle. What battle? It's not a battle against human beings. It's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a battle against demonic powers, pure spirits who are a lot smarter than we are, who are a lot more powerful than we are. And there's no way we can face off against demonic powers on, on our own. We need assistance. Who do we need to assist us? We need other, we need other angelic powers to be on our side, to go out before us, to push the devil away, to tell him to go back to hell, and to be on, on our shoulder, as it were. You know how... Often it's depicted you have, the, you have the good angel on one shoulder and the bad angel on the other shoulder. We need, we need that good angel there in, in order to defeat the counsel of the devil that he's always giving us, trying to convince us that our life will be a lot happier if we're committing sin than if we're not committing sin. So the, uh, the Mass of the Guardian Angels has, <clears throat> for its epistle, this, this beautiful episode from the book of Exodus where God tells the Israelites who are in the desert, and it's like us. We're, we're in a desert right now. We're in, we're in this life. It's like a desert. And, and God tells the Israelites, I'm going to give you an angel to lead you to the promised land. 
And the promised land, of course, is heaven. So I just wanted to, to read to you this epistle that appears in the Mass of the Guardian Angels from the book of Exodus, chapter 23. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will send my angel who will go before you and keep you in your journey and bring you unto the place that I have prepared. Take notice of him and hear his voice. Do not think him as one to be contemned, for he will not forgive when thou hast sinned, and my name is in him. But if you will hear his voice and do all that I speak, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will afflict them that afflict you, and my angel shall go before you. These words that, that God says to the Israelites, he also says to us, I'm going to give you an angel who will go before you and will lead you on the path, on the way of your journey to heaven. If you listen to his voice, I will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will afflict them that afflict thee. So my dear faithful, when we come to Mass, we should remember that we are part of an extended family, of a spiritual family, a supernatural family, the mystical body of Christ. And this body, it does not just include human beings. It also includes the good angels, these pure spirits. They join us at this solemn liturgy in the adoration of God. They see us when we sin and when we do what is good. They take our prayers up to God. They intercede for us. They also defend us against the attacks that come to us from, from the demons, from the evil angels. But the angels are not just here at, in the setting of the Mass. It's not like you walk out the door and the angels just abandon you to your fate. But your guardian angel is with you in all of your ways. That at every moment of your life, your guardian angel will accompany you. Um, so we, we must not be as those who, without, who are without faith, who say, well, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. Um, scripture speaks so often of the holy angels. It's real. You really have an angel whom God has assigned to you to help you reach your goal in this life. It's very good for us to pray to our guardian angel with, with the guardian angel prayer when we get up in the morning and then when, before we go to sleep at night. Um, it's also good for us to pray to St. Michael in the time of, of temptation, the, the head of all the angels, to tell him, ask him to, to defend us in this great battle that we have on our hands in this life. And finally, it's, it's very nice for us to think when, when we pray to the angels that, that God willing, one day, we will dwell with them forever in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.